I believe everyone has a story to share. I'm on a journey to discover the magic inside each person's story. Each week, I will introduce you to guests where I will dig deep and uncover the beautiful miracles from life and experiences to inspire and encourage you to live life to the fullest. My goal is to give each guest a platform to share their lives with the world in hopes that someone will be inspired to take action and live life with passion and purpose. Welcome to the Uncover Your Magic podcast with me, Ashley Donner. Are you ready? Here we go. Welcome back to Uncover Your Magic. This podcast has been a gift. It has allowed me to meet and discover people who have made a profound impact in my life, and I hope in yours as well. I feel like this podcast is a messenger that I have been given to spread words of inspiration and words of hope so we can all see how powerful we truly are. I am constantly listening to podcasts on my run, in the car, and while I'm getting ready. And I'm always learning and on a quest to find people who will resonate with you all to share on this show. When I listened to my guest today, Suzanne Giesman, on a, she was on a show a couple of years ago. I was hooked. <laughs> she has no idea how much I know about her, but I love it all and I want to share it with you. I know she was led to me on this path. And she has taught me so much and has made me feel more at ease with life. And now I have an even higher sense of an awareness and what being a spirit living in a body means even more now. You will all relate to Suzanne because she is real and so authentic and relatable. You will love her like I do. But before I introduce her, I want to remind you that I'm having another round of my free masterclasses starting in August on the 2nd and 5th at noon, and August 3rd at 5 o'clock Pacific Standard Time. There will be a link in the show notes for those dates so you can sign up for a time that works for you. I'm going to be teaching my six-step magical formula that I teach in both my courses, Raising Confidence for Kids and the Magic Path for Adults. They are both eight weeks, one-on-one, where I go deep into a morning routine, a gratitude practice, setting goals and creating a vision board, learning your core values, all of these life-changing tools, I believe, are a necessity to living a true, meaningful life and having an awareness to the power we all have and the knowing that you can be, do, or have anything in this life. There are no limits in life. The only limits are the ones you put upon yourself. So spend an hour with me on one of those days in August so you can empower yourself and begin now transforming the energy in your houses and creating a high vibration life so that you and your families can see the magic in each and every day. I am also proud to announce my website, ashleygonner.com, is live. You can access all of my classes, get my mini programs like my 21-day manifesting challenge, my magical steps when creating a vision board, my amazing morning routine, and my magical gratitude practice. I'm so excited to hear from you and see you on Zoom in August. So now let me tell you a little bit about Suzanne Giesman. Suzanne Giesman is a messenger of hope and the founder and teacher of The Awakened Way, a path to knowing who you are and why you're here. She is a former U.S. Navy commander who served as a commanding officer and aide to the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff 
on 9-11. Today, Suzanne provides stunning evidence of the existence of universal consciousness and our interconnectedness. Suzanne is the author of 13 books. She has been a keynote presenter for organizations including Edgar Casey's Association for Research and Enlightenment, the Academy for Spiritual and Consciousness Studies, the Afterlife Research and Education Institute, and the International Association for Near-Death Studies. And please welcome Suzanne Giesman to the show. Welcome, Suzanne. Thank you, Ashley. It's just always fun to talk about my favorite subjects. Oh, I know. And you know, here you are traveling in your RV, right? That's right. Five months on, on tour. And you stop and be able to find a place to record this. <laughs> and yeah. it's just beautiful. Thank you. You're welcome. Things just fall into place. Thank you for the work you're doing. Oh, you're welcome. I love it. And I love you. And I am so excited to share with my community and my listeners what I have found in you. And I know that they will resonate as much as I have. And I want to start with your story because when you come from the military and almost from a <laughs> one extreme to the other is really kind of how I view you. And to now knowing what you do, it's like you've opened this awareness, you've opened the light in you and you've shown people that they can too. Oh yeah. That's what it's all about. It's why we're here. Yeah. It's, it's not to go to school because we need to learn certain lessons. I think this is more like art school or cooking school where we, the lessons we have are and how we can shine more brightly. That's what it's all about. Right. So go back to the the moment you uncovered your magic, wherever that is for you. Oh, gosh. That <laughs> moment was when I was sitting in the back of a classroom being taught by a medium named Janet Nohavik. And I was writing a book about her because farther back in the story, I had discovered that there really is a greater reality. And those, those people we love who have passed are still around and we can learn to communicate with them. I was in that classroom because I was writing her story, not because I had any idea I could communicate with anybody. But she called me to the front of the room, put me on the spot and said, there's a spirit standing here. What do you sense? And Ashley, I brought through astounding evidence from this man that was standing there, including his nickname. And he was the father of somebody in the classroom. That was the moment that really, that, that was magical. Right. And yet, you know, you come to learn that the spirit world is not magic at all. They're right here, but, but learning to communicate and, and connect with them, that's the trick, right? It is, but you go with the evidence-based. And I yes. think that's where people really get that moment of, wow, she really does have that. There is that. That's true. <laughs> it's well, and that goes with my military background. I wouldn't be satisfied with anything less than verifiable information, so otherwise, to this day, I would still be saying, oh, are they just making that up? Right. But no, the evidence has just taken away any doubt whatsoever that there is an afterlife. Okay. So now talk about your stepdaughter, uh, Susan, please. And how that's yes. really, that's really where I feel like kind of started the journey to kind of right. finding that, right? Right. Uh, if we could go back a little further, it's important to just share that when I was in the military, I, I, had the honor of being a commanding officer. I was special assistant to the chief of naval operations. That's the head of the Navy. And then ultimately asked by the head of the whole United States military, the chairman of the joint chiefs to be his aide de camp. 
and that's his right hand man, you know, <laughs> and uh, funny. travels everywhere with him and, and helps him. And I was with the chairman on 9-11. I witnessed a lot of destruction up close and personal, a lot of death, and just decided it's time to get out of the Navy and live my dream. And then my husband and I shared the dream of going sailing away in our sailboat and living that lifestyle. And that's what we were doing when I realized you can't run away from death. You can't run away from life. And life caught up to us with a phone call that changed our life. And that was that my stepdaughter, Susan, a sergeant in the Marine Corps, we were so proud of her, had been crossing the flight line at her squadron on a beautiful morning. And out of the blue, skies darkened and a bolt of lightning struck her down. And she was killed along with her six-month-old unborn baby. And uh, so I really started paying attention then and asking those deep life questions and found so much more than I ever imagined I would. Oh, but you know, when you think of going there and learning it, but learning that she had passed and having to go back and adjust your mind to knowing that she's gone, but you're like determined through meditation to connect with her or try you, or you saw her in the casket and you're like, no, that is not her. Yeah. And and I know that almost everybody listening or watching has had that moment where you see somebody you love and they're now not in the body anymore. And I say it that way because that's what you realize that a lifeless body is exactly that it's without life. And then you start to say, so what is it that gives a body life? Because the difference the contrast between a body with spirit in it is so different. And looking at Susan there, I just knew she had to still exist in some form. And I, I made it my mission to, to find her. And I found her and so much more. So will you tell us that story when you went well, to that I woman? My, well, I began meditating, like you said, and that's what's changed my life. That's what's transformed my whole worldview, my belief system, my connection with greater reality. But uh, before I connected with Susan myself, I dragged my husband to a medium. He went kind of willingly, but he told me later he didn't even know what a medium was. He just did that wonderful husband thing and said, yes, dear, (laughs) whatever you want, honey. And, you know, now he's married to a medium. That's the funny thing. But that medium was the real deal. And I say it that way because there are people that even people who call themselves mediums, I'm not sure that they're actually always tapping into the spirit of our loved ones unless I get the evidence because the mind, our conditioned minds and our stories can run off and tell stories. That is a fact. And through evidence-based mediumship, we are left with no doubt that we're connecting with our loved ones. And that's what happened when we, when we went to this medium happily, she gave us incredible evidence, undeniable evidence that Susan was right there in the room. She didn't have our last name. She couldn't have looked us up. You know, the skeptic in me covered all the bases and she so rocked our world that I just had to know more. And I dove in head first and here, here I am. Right. Did Ty feel the same way as you or did it take him more? He was so convinced. He was sobbing, but obviously it's not his life calling to then become a medium. It was mine. And that's why I went on to write books. And then I didn't know at the time it writing the books would result in me discovering 
that I could do this. It wasn't the fact that I wrote the books. It was the people I met while writing the books and the meditative practice that helped me to reveal this ability that's latent in all of us. So if it's your calling, it will come very clearly. If it's not, you may be able to have some really great connections with your own loved ones. The, The thing is, we never know until we try. So I love sharing the tools and techniques with people because it's a natural ability because we're all souls. Right. When you go into your meditation, do you do the same thing all the time? Like as in, as in the Navy, did you meditate? Oh, never. No, no. <laughs> no so no. That, that very first week after Susan's funeral, this was 2006. And back then, what was that, 15 years ago this month, meditation was not as mainstream as it is now. And to say to my husband, Ty, I'm going to go meditate just sounded affected. You know, <laughs> that's something other people do. But because I started teaching people how to connect, I needed to figure out what is it that I do that makes this connection so instantaneous, so easy, so clear. And then I realized that people who are like me, left brain, like processes. So I put it into a seven-step process that I call my Bless Me Method. It's free on my website on the gifts page, a video, how to do it. And to this day, I will use the process or I modify it. I shorten it. If I'm a little off balance going into meditation, otherwise, once you know what you're going for with intention, belief, and just a few relaxing breaths, boom, the connection's right there. So the answer is yes, I still use it and not always. (laughs) So when I'm listening to you on your recordings or an interview, when you're on like doing question and answer, you will answer with your spirit. You don't have to get into like a, when you channel Sanaya, that's different, right? That's right. Okay, so you do go into a process to get her. Will you explain that? Yes, my guides call themselves Sanaya. It's a collective consciousness, but it's a group of higher beings. When I channeled them, that was something unexpected as well. And there are quite a few videos and two very recent ones on my YouTube channel of me channeling. And anybody that watches that, especially when people ask questions at the end, you can tell this is not prepared. It's not scripted. It's not me. And that we're connecting to something higher. That requires a deeper state of expanded awareness, a theta brainwave state, but I can go into that very quickly. And in those Q&A sessions you referred to, I sit and clear my mind and my energy field before those sessions. I check in with my team. Are we going to work together? Are you ready to go? And then I talk like we're doing now. And I did that before this interview. So if you were to ask me a tricky question or something I didn't know, it's just a little shift, just like that. And I tune in and the answer comes from a higher place, which is always optimal. Okay. So let me get this understanding. So I'm really working on this (laughs) and that's probably why you were led. I was led to you. You're my teacher. You've been my, the last two years, I've really been following you and trying to understand, listening to that voice and just trusting it and knowing that it is that voice, right? Right. And how, and what amazes me about you is that it's so quick. Well, that's because people think that Tiger Woods has always been this great golfer, right? But they didn't see the years and years of preparation that went into that. I was not 
able to have this instant access years okay. ago. It's been a dozen years of attuning to them, clearing out the gunk in me, my human nature. This is what the path is all about. And that's what I teach people. You take a class with me. It's not going to instantly result in what I can do, but I give you the tools. Then you take it as far as you want from right. there. There is no limit to how, how clear our access can be. And I, and I know what it takes to get there. So it's my greatest honor to share that with people. Uh, I want you to share the story about Wolf. When you, oh. the, I just love that story. And everyone listen to this story. <laughs> yes, I have a book called Wolf's Message because this young man whose nickname was Wolf passed to the other side the same way as my stepdaughter struck by lightning. It was only years later, Ashley, that I learned that Susan, my stepdaughter, knew just as much as Wolf did that they were going to pass that way because Susan's last three dogs were all named after gods of lightning. Mm. Stunning. But Wolf's awareness at a soul level that he was going to pass that way came in a much more immediate and stunning uh, validation in a poem that he wrote the day before he was struck and killed by lightning. And it stated words that showed, I know my soul is going to be freed by a light. And he drew the exact location where he was struck down. And he drew in that drawing what his parents would put there afterwards. I mean, I don't want to give away the whole, the biggest wow in the book, but he then came to me after I met his parents at a conference. He dropped in on me in the early morning hours of the day before I gave them a reading and gave me so much verifiable information about himself that I knew this was him. This was ultimately scored by a professor at the University of Arizona, Dr. Gary Schwartz, who does afterlife research. And he said, there's no doubt in in his mind or anybody who looks at that evidence that this was spirit communication. And ultimately, why Wolf came through me was to share a message, and that's why the book's called Wolf's Message, with all of us about how we as a species, humanity, are out of balance and how to get back in balance. And you said that I've gone from as far left as you can go to the other side, but that's not really true. I've found the balance point between the left brain logical side and the right brain intuitive side. When we can do that, then we can live in this world beautifully and magically mm-hmm. and yet connect just as beautifully with the greater reality, integrating the two for a life that's so filled with joy and peace that I never could have imagined it. And it's my greatest goal for other people to find that kind of life. Uh, when Wolf came to you that morning, Are you knowing that it's him? How does that work? It works differently with every spirit, but because we're dealing with intelligent, sentient beings, they know how to get the point across. So I had a reading with him, his parents the next day. I had not met him in spirit yet. I'm in my bed at 545, pitch dark in the bedroom. I wake up and I get this dizzy feeling that I get when a spirit is present. It doesn't happen too often when I'm not doing a reading. So immediately I say, who are you? And in my eye, in my mind's eye, flashes an image of his parents who I met at that conference. I said, oh, you must be their son. Tell me all about you. And I roll over because I always sleep with a pad of paper and pen. And he just started telling me, I'm Mike Jr. 
et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And he was my junior. I didn't even know that at that point. But he gave me 45 pieces of information about himself, but really unusual things, Ashley, as you know from reading the book. Not like, oh, I play guitar, I love baseball. Things like I my my I wrote things like hieroglyphics. I enjoyed reading about druids. I wore robes and had an amulet. I mean, this was an unusual guy. So that's what we're talking about, evidence. Oh, so the way you analyze it is the two uh, fish tanks with the water, like, you know, where you can oh. connect and one's rough. And so it's when you're both calm, it's the connection. Yeah, I had a spirit, a young man across the veil talking to his mom in a reading. And he said, mom, it's like meditation calms the water. We're like two side-by-side aquariums. And all that separates us in our two worlds is this glass. We can see your world clearly as day, but you can't see our world because the water is stirred up by your human stuff. So meditation allows us to calm the waters and see right through that glass. Their world interpenetrates our own. Heaven is not some far off place. Our loved ones who have passed are right here at a different frequency. So when we can learn to still the waters of our mind, our emotions, our body through practices that can be learned, then here they are right here. They've always been here. Right. So when when I've had people say, my dad passed away two days after my first daughter was born. So I never got to say goodbye. It was a birth, my first baby to my dad passing. So that always is, I struggle with that because it was like mourning to a, you know, like there's two different, two extreme emotions during that time. And I've always, you know, talked to him and looked at signs and, you know, kind of taught my girls, you know, we teach that along the way and to know that he's here. And I've had a friend call and say, Ashley, your dad was in my dream. He said, you need to talk to him. And that was like 10 years ago. And I now listening to you, I'm like, oh my gosh, I, you know, I do, but I don't probably do it enough. <laughs> That's right. It was one of the first messages that I started sharing. And my first book was Messages of Hope. And I say in there repeatedly, talk to them. They hear you. We don't realize that. But every reading I do, Ashley, the spirits know because my guide briefs them like a military briefing. Look, you're working with Suzanne. She's not going to be happy unless you give her evidence to balance out your messages. That's got to back it up. And make sure you drop in there a current event so your loved ones know you're still part of their lives. And so to have somebody like your dad, they come through and they say, you know, I know you didn't get to say goodbye and it doesn't matter because I'm still here. And I know about your daughter and I know about the fact that your car broke down last week. And I saw you eating popcorn just before the reading. It's just mind blowing and wondrous. Oh, but that's a part that I've studied you. So I understand more, but people listening are trying to understand like we're all energy. We're a vibration. That's so important. And being in a high vibration as a human is so important, right? Yeah, but we yeah. explain because this is heaven. We're in a human body. Yes. Only a little part of our soul is in this body, right? I love teaching with analogies and metaphors because it helps us wrap our head around this. And yet it still doesn't really explain what's going on. But if consciousness is like an ocean, we in a body are like this little ice test tube, this test tube made of ice. So it's made of the same material, water, but it It does not allow the water to flow through what's inside that test tube. The test tube is like the body. Our body is the filter, filtering out the consciousness that we are made of, 
from which we arise. And yet we have these little portals throughout our body, seven of them in most belief systems called chakras, the exchange points. And that would be where the ocean flows through our vessel, but they get blocked up. Most Human beings, at least the first three, are a little gunked up. Those are fear, safety, security issues. And so when we work on clearing out the human stuff, we then allow more of that greater sea of consciousness to flow into our awareness. But we are part of that sea. That's why I say it's made of ice, because ultimately the body returns to dust or the test tube dissolves back into the ocean. And our consciousness still exists as a pattern of sensations, thoughts and feelings known as you and me. And that's what a medium tunes into within the same shared sea of consciousness. But now without the filter, much more obvious to us, it's all right here. So when my, when I pass on, my dad will recognize me my and vice versa. And I will recognize him as a vibration. No, face to face, you will recreate in awareness, consciousness, which is your fundamental nature. I recognize you. You, you can re- recreate when you first cross the veil, you're still going to be very much feeling human and, and having that energy, even without the body. And so your dad will appear to you so you recognize him. And as you you say, okay, I get it now. I know what's going on here. We don't have to create these bodies. We don't need any of those trappings anymore. Then you can just be the beings of light that we all are right now. Okay. And now when you find people that are playing golf or reading or, you know, the story that you connected the Wayne Dyer, I'm a, I mean, Wayne Dyer is so true to my heart. He's another big teacher of mine, yes. but that he even sat with you when he was alive. Yeah. Came, came to my house for a reading. That was phenomenal. How that manifested. Oh my yeah. gosh. But tell that story when he came to you, when you were well, in the RV. See, no, that was in my house. And oh, when okay. I lived in Florida, this was back when I thought the law of attraction simply meant if I state something and affirm it positively long enough, it'll happen. Now I know that if it serves the greater good, it will happen. So we limit ourselves by focusing on one thing. But if that one thing will help, then the universe will bend over backwards in a metaphor to help you. So I was already a Hay House author. I had published the book, uh, The Priest and the Medium, not about me and my husband, about another medium. This was before I even knew I would be a medium one day. And I thought, well, I manifested that being a Hay House author. And Wayne Dyer is my favorite Hay House author. So what are we going to manifest next? Well, how about I'm on a first name basis with Wayne Dyer, knowing that if that were true, he might be able to help me get the messages of hope to more people, what we're sharing today. And It just fell into place so magically. It turns out that his brother lived in the same community I did. I didn't know that. A friend of mine ran into Wayne Dyer having dinner with his brother at the next table. She was such a Wayne Dyer fan. She went up to him and invited his sister-in-law to a meditation group that they were in. (laughs) I ended up doing a workshop. Both ladies came to the workshop and I just said, oh my God, Wayne Dyer's sister-in-law is here. Let me just tell her what I say every morning that I'm on a first name basis with Wayne Dyer. That's all I said. A few months later, trusting the universe, I continued to say that. I didn't call her, didn't ask her to introduce us. I was just hanging around the house and she called me and she said, Suzanne, uh, Wayne's coming to visit. Do you think you might want to do a reading for him? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, It is one of those moments where you say, 
you think? (laughs) (laughs) Right? Are you sure? Then he gave me this beautiful endorsement for my work because I spontaneously channeled the guides with messages for him. It was a reading above and beyond what my readings normally are. So I know that spirit really had a hand in that. And he has gave me beautiful quotes for both messages of hope and wolf's message. And we were on such a first name basis that I had his private email. And um, after he passed, he dropped in on me in his voice. Not normally when I connect with spirits in a reading, it sounds like other people's loved ones. I mean, it sounds like my own thoughts. Sorry. sounds like my own thoughts because that, that takes a lot of energy to recreate a voice. But once you've met somebody, as I met him and had talked with him, it was very easy for him to create his voice for me. And the first thing I said was, wow, you know, I've been on the road. I don't know how you died. That's evidential. Tell me what happened. And he said, infarct, which is a, an acute heart attack. And that is what happened. Mm-hmm. I said, tell me some more things I don't know. And he showed me he was at home in a high rise and several other things. And I went online later and Googled him. And I was disappointed because his home in Maui was this one-story house. And I reached out to his sister-in-law to share his messages. And she said, oh, Suzanne, his house was under renovation. He was living up in a high rise while it was being renovated. So lots of good stuff. But he told me he was sitting at the feet of the masters wearing robes and just enjoying the sharing. And he said, I got most of it right, but not everything. Which is what my goal is, to get most of it right. I know because of these filters, we probably get some things wrong. And so that's why I'm constantly aiming for greater clarity. Right. When you talk about they're up there playing golf or doing things like Wayne sitting at what he loved to do here, we continue to do, like, are we traveling to Italy? (laughs) Let me explain that because that sounds absolutely ridiculous to somebody who's new here. What do you mean we're playing golf in heaven? And my left brain side says, yeah, why would we do that? Because at first when you cross, you are still very much connected to your earthly story and anything you didn't get to complete with consciousness, you create it instantly. So if you were really into golf or baking or traveling, you just do it. It's like lucid dreaming. Hmm. You're very aware and you create. And I use the golfing example because I was doing a reading for a woman and her husband across the veil came through very clearly with beautiful evidence. So when she said, can you ask him what he's doing? This is one of those moments where I know I won't be able to prove whatever he says. So how can that be evidential? And his answer was amazingly evidential, which is so beautiful because I said to him, all right, what are you doing over there? Which is really not over there. It's just the different dimension. And he said, I'm playing golf every day, standing firmly on two feet. Well, It turns out golf was his passion, which I didn't know. But even more evidential is that before he passed, he'd had one of his legs amputated and was unable to golf. Wow. So you cross to the other side, suddenly you don't have a body anymore, but you have a spirit body. And just by wanting to move and from here to there, you do so. You want to put a golf club in your hands and golf and stand on two spirit feet, you can do it. Until it's like, okay, been there, done that. What's next? And what's next, this is important, maybe to go back and live another life. So a lot of people hear that and say, oh, no. So you might say, Ashley, well, does that mean my dad won't be there if I don't cross for another 50 years, right? Not at all. 
because we are all arising from this sea of consciousness. It's not all or nothing that one's loved one becomes then an entirely new soul. That consciousness that is us is a part of this greater sea and can arise as needed even if it hasn't done anything for a while. It's like we're sleeping and, oh, here comes my daughter. She's crossed the veil. Let's go visit her. Even though another aspect of the greater soul from which your dad arose, a subset of the one mind is off having another experience in a body. Right. Perhaps as your grandchild in the future. Who knows? Right. That's what I was thinking. I remember when my sister had her baby and it was like he was due on my dad's birthday. Oh, wow. And so I said, maybe dad's coming back and he's going to be engaged, (laughs) you know, (laughs) but, you know, then I have this dog that, you know, I just know that he's here. And I see like, we've been looking at butterflies lately. We went to a baseball game with Gage and I said, oh, dad, dad, just come to this game. Be here and watch this. This will just thrill you, you. Right. Yes. It makes me want to cry. But I think, and then we looked up in Presley and I see the butterfly and I go, Presley, I've been seeing that same butterfly all day. That's dad. That's your grandpa. He's here watching Gage. (laughs) And what I like to help people understand is that they don't embody the butterfly, but as consciousness that is a witness to all of this, they actually engage with the consciousness of the butterfly. And it's a cooperative thing where the butterfly flies here or there. It's like remote control from your dad. So the energy, like our soul pod, we choose our family from this, this community that we all learn really well from, or we no doubt, right? Yes. Okay. So we're in this pod and when we'll recognize each other, like, well, I recognize you when I go, when we're in, we're on that next energy, like for someone I just met for an hour. Serve the greater good. You would most, uh, we would uh, somehow meet up if there were purpose in it. Okay. Mm -hmm. But the family thing is strong. Without doubt, within the family, for sure. They'll be there to greet you. Okay. And then when you have children, they were waiting up there to come through you. How does that? I I have not personally experienced that in a reading. To the best of my awareness, I haven't had a soul say, I. oh, okay. That's a guide's talking to me. (laughs) Many, many times. Oh, right. Yeah. I I had a little soul that, was um, miscarried and he showed me coming back around, coming back around. And then the, because he needed to be with those parents, he had chosen them. And two months later, the woman called me and said, I'm pregnant. And I said, yeah, you're meant to have this child. And it was a boy. So that was pretty cool. But there's a lot of evidence of the little children who spontaneously speak about choosing their parents and remembering moments before they were born that they watched the parents doing specific things. And the, when people ask when you get pregnant or when it's an embryo, there's a soul in there. It doesn't just be, it's not just birth. And then the soul comes in. If the, what my guides have told me is from the moment of conception, the soul is, is engendering that growth of that baby. Yeah. Cause they're feeding off the energy of the parents and the, right? The soul forms the pattern of the energetic body, but certainly that, you know, within the physical world, we know how that works. So it's a, it's a two-pronged approach type of thing. Okay. And then the animals that come to be with you, they have personalities. So that is why we will recognize them when we, when I see all my dog, sweet dogs Absolutely. that have passed away. 
Absolutely. Because even when the very first time that I tapped into dogs and cats in readings, I said, hey, you guys got to figure out a way to give me evidence because I'm not just going to say, hey, Fluffy is here and loves you very much and is fine. That's a beautiful message. But first of all, I couldn't and wouldn't make up a message, but I need to know it's not my imagination or my wishful thinking. And oh, they give me good evidence. How old they were, how they passed, favorite toys, favorite things they love to do. It's beautiful. Do they choose like we do when they are going to leave? Do they know their soul's exit time? I'm hearing that it is predetermined. I don't know that you would say that the animal itself chooses. I'm shown higher level, different than with people. And we're just a different level. The human, like the dog's never going to come back and be a human. That's correct. That's correct. And humans won't go backwards to become an animal. It's I'm being shown uh, like stovepipes, like the the um, the pathway of the human consciousness and then the animal consciousness serves different purposes. Right. And so when we choose to come back because we all like, always want to learn and grow and expand our yeah. soul. So yeah. we decide this as a family, I'm going to come back and be your mother this time or sister. Yeah. And let's just really make it clear what that choose to come back and learn and grow means to learn and grow in expressing unconditional love. That's the same thing as saying to shine our soul's light brighter for the joy of it. And relationships is the greatest way we grow because they test us all the time, don't they? Yes. Yeah. What if there's people that don't like they're suffering and they live this life of never getting to that, the dimension of being able to really believe in this and know that, that do they st- keep coming back to try to get to that place or? In most cases. Yeah. Because you get to the other side and, and they look back on your life and it's like, this is a simulator here, right? The soul says, I'm going to go into this body. That's the simulator and get all these scenarios, these programs I can run the, the, the husband relationship scenario and this scenario, the job scenario. And, and you go back over to the end and you say, boy, I didn't make the best choices. Darn it. I want to try again. Ah, uh, huh. So talk about time because linear time is all we know. Mm-hmm. Oh, we know in this human body. Once we get in this body, we forget it all. But it's very easy to think about time across the veil. And then that is to imagine what it's like in your dreams. We all have dreams and there's no sense of time in a dream. Things just happen. Right. So it's like that across the veil. Instantaneous. We don't need time for cause and effect to play out. It's instantaneous. So when he's playing golf, he just played golf. (laughs) He didn't have to go out and hit the ball. Right. And you can also bilocate. You can, your soul can have, it's, ah, I was just corrected. When we use the term bilocate, we, that seems as if the soul is going to two different places. What's really happening is the soul is aware of two experiences at the same time. I share okay. in my workshops an example of a young girl in spirit who dropped in on me one morning. I reached out to her mom by text and said, your daughter's here with me. She's telling me this and this. And she said, What do you mean my daughter's here? I just had an email from another medium that my daughter's with her right now. Whoa, stunning. And then it went on and on from there. My mediumship guide, Brenda, used to be, she's in spirit, Mm -hmm. used to be a good friend of mine here. And she has explained how she just visits and has experiences with our friends 
all at the same time, because consciousness, once it's outside the body, is not nearly as limited. Okay, so my dad can be in Seattle with my one sister at the game last night with with us. Very much so, aware of everybody all at once. And so when I do a reading, most of them these days are by Zoom. So is the loved one in the room with me or is the loved one in the room with their loved one? Yes. Yes. Both places. For mediums who can see spirit, and I don't see them objectively, and I rarely see them in my mind's eye. I see I see images that they project to me. For mediums who can see them, that that spirit person projects a form, a thought form that is a replica of them, but they could just as easily be projecting it for their loved one back home. Isn't that fascinating? Oh my gosh, it's so (laughs) fascinating. Uh, This is why I love this so much because it is so fascinating. Everything that we create is through our thoughts, our brain, you know. Oh, not the brain. I know, not the brain. Well, I want you to explain the brain versus your thoughts and your that kind of thing. Well, let's go back to the test tube in the sea of consciousness analogy. The brain is this filter that through this earthly experiment, they said, well, we've got to really make sure that these people in the test tube, these, these souls in the test tube, right, that we call people, focus only on that test tube experience. So we're going to put this little machine in the test tube that filters out us, everything, souls, the other realities. It's really going to be a, a consciousness reduction valve. But really where the thoughts are coming from are the sea of consciousness. But once those thoughts flow into the test tube, they go round and round and round. Same old, same old thoughts coming up all the time. I got to do this. I'm not worthy. Nobody loves me. Round and round. That's the stale stuff in the test tube. It's the fresh ones that flow in when we clear out the junk that say, oh, you're so worthy. You've been loved all along. They're not coming from the brain. The brain's the filter. Yet it's also a beautiful, beautiful instrument that allows us to have beautiful experiences here. Right. So when you say that, when you talk about the consciousness coming in and uh, is that your intuition? Those are the things yes. that you're listening to and you're yes. like, oh, that's, those are God, you know, that those, my, the, my spirit, my soul is speaking to me. Yes. That is what that is. Mm-hmm. So going on to, uh, these are questions that. If I could just say, yes, please. this is the beauty of meditation. It allows us to become aware of our thoughts to still the mind, the human mind, the small M that's inside the test tube, to notice the fresh thoughts that come from the one mind. That's our mind. We all share it. Right. And you start to notice the fresh insights that comes in through the energy field, which extends beyond the vessel. And so once you learn to be present and notice those insights, that's when the real magic happens. Right. I have had a few media channels that have been on this podcast. And a lot of it is like at the beginning of the year 2000s, like how years like, you know, around the just the first half of 2000s. And they all have this, they've all discovered it through trying to meditate. You know, and I, that's just the common denominator that I've learned from, but what, why is it, why am I becoming so into this? And where's my, like, are we, is, am I just in this little pocket of this small group or is, no, no, no. Are we, humanity is a subset of greater realities. Our planetary system is a subset of greater 
realities. And if you look at Wolf's message, they said that our planet is coming into alignment with the solar system. Balance, higher consciousness now available to those of us on this planet. And we're seeing that as more and more people are called to do this kind of work, more and more people are called to awaken to the truth of who we really are, souls in a body, not trapped, not limitless, totally loved, totally connected to each other and to this whole infinite intelligence that is the source of everything. It's because we are perfectly aligned for this awakening now, and it's time for people to get on board. Right. And I love, you know, we, the girls go to a Christian school and, you know, we, we say our prayers, but with the way you describe you now that I've understood, learned your way of praying, it's, you're not praying, please God, do this for me, please God. It's, you are part of that. You're just right. Say right. That, well, there's two, diff- two different kinds of prayer supplicatory, which is please, as if you're asking for something outside of you. And there's affirmative where I affirm that I'm part of this flow of life and that the greatest good is happening through me. But yet we can still ask for help because spirit consciousness does become more and more dense down to the human level, but along the way are angels and archangels and guides. So we can ask for their help or we can ask for God, which would be the entire field of consciousness, the source, to help us. But asking in that way, help me with this specific thing, that is when we're stuck in the viewpoint that we are only this limitless being. We don't have the bigger view when we pray that way. So if you affirm, I know I am part of something so much greater, I would really appreciate help with this challenge. Yet at the same time, I affirm that all that is happening is for my greatest good. And I am open to fresh new insights and the strength and courage to deal with this. See the difference? Now I'm acknowledging I am human, but I'm also affirming I'm a soul connected to beings with a bigger picture who will help. Right. Because we're all one. Yes. We're all love. Yeah. And they'll help if it serves the greater good and they'll help in miraculous ways beyond what we could even imagine from our finite view. But praying in that old way really is limiting. Mm-hmm. When you were at the 9-11 building and you had that experience and all these, you know, this COVID comes and, you know, these catastrophic events that people chose to be part of, they chose to die that way. They chose to get coronavirus or we created this coronavirus to have the shift that we're transcending into a new dimension. I'm not really sure how that works, Ashley. I can't say we chose that specific thing. We'll find out for sure when we get to the other side. I only know we choose specific types of challenges and there are specific times in our life when it would be okay for us to pass. We call those exit points. So how we pass can sometimes be influenced by the free will choices that others make. And that can throw a wrench into the, the whole way we pass. Like I can see our souls saying, uh-oh, we didn't count on that, but it is time to cross. So we'll let it happen that way, you know? Right. But it could be say, like that. Didn't you say, Susan, your stepdaughter, you, you, she, she told you that it was, she was going to pass around that time anyway. It was just lightning that took her. She, she came to me two days before she passed in a very, very vivid dream. So I know now that that was a spirit visit and she walked right up to me at a party and she said, the baby and I are just fine. 
Don't mm. worry about us. And looking back on that, I knew it was her soul's way of getting through to the one person in the family that would ultimately be able to connect with her this way. But she had been in a car accident, a rollover car accident, and walked away without a scratch just a few months before that. So was it that, oops, that car accident worked, so we better pull out the stops? Actually, it was about a year before, easily a year before. So she needs to die young, so people pay attention, and Suzanne goes on to become a medium, et cetera, et cetera. I, it, it could very well, I'm hearing that's part of the plan. Okay. So clearly, she knew she was going to pass by lightning at a soul level, at a soul level, not at the human awareness, right. with the way she named her dogs, Right. right. But did that happen? She got those dogs after the rollover car accident. So uh, it's, it's just kind of fun to look at the connections and wonder and know that ultimately we will find out because we are consciousness. And once we get rid of this brain, the filter and the body, the veil, then we'll know. When you talk about your angels and the, gui- the guides, those aren't, they've never been human. Some of my guides have been human, without a doubt. They've given me evidence of their lifetimes here, and I was able to verify it. But others have said they have never been in human form. And never want to. (laughs) Oh, gosh. I'm laughing because it's like when you look at some of the challenges we go through, who would want to? (laughs) My guides in the channeling sessions just even did it again in one of these last two. They joke about, you know, the soul says, yeah, I'll go have a go at another goal at that human life. And then you, you're born and you look around and you're screaming as a babe, newborn baby and you say, what was I thinking? <laughs> <laughs> but there is a difference. Some people do never come back to be a human. There's some souls. That's true. It is a choice, but there's so much love here. The contrast when we make the right choices between suffering and joy, between when we treat each other unkindly and then realizing who we are and we suddenly learn to see the soul in each other and act with love respond with love the joy that comes from that makes it so worthwhile and that's why we come back I never imagined a life of the kind of joy and love that I experience now daily and the connection with others in human form and the soul level the love that flows now. I don't know how many lifetimes my soul has had to come back to get to this point, Mm -hmm. but I know that the other souls that may be watching this from the spirit world right now say, well, that looks pretty good. I can see she suffered along the way, but boy, when you get to this point, I can see that's worth it, especially when we know ultimately we're at a soul level, not harmed by these human things. Right. When people commit suicide and they decide as a human, (laughs) I mean, where does that, the decision, and then when they go on to, I had a friend that her husband committed suicide a few years ago, and it's like a, you know, getting through that. My guides, I've asked them a lot about suicide, and they have said that at that soul planning stage, their guides say to that soul, now, are you sure you want to take on this assignment in you know like military terms because there's going to come a point for example you're taking on a body that's that's going to have a mental illness it's going to be poorly wired on purpose are you sure you want to take that on because you may really be stretched so far that you terminate your assignment early and mm-hmm. that's not optimal but there will be understanding but you're really supposed to stay there and there are some cases where suicide doesn't work and the people don't die 
And that's right. because it was really not their time yet. There was not an exit point. So every soul that I've connected with who took their own life has come through doing well, not in hell. Many go to a place where they're in a kind of like a recovery type place and they review their lives and see how they might have chosen differently. But in other cases, there's so much understanding that we make choices based on what we're facing. Hmm. And that review, there's like a review when you first yeah. pass through the veil. Yeah, that, there's a review it? and the suicide really doesn't help souls get past certain experiences that they wanted to have. And they'll say, I'm going to go back and I'm going to face it again. I'm going to go back in another life and and get this this one issue right, because I can see how that would lead to so much more love and joy. Can you ever get a, have a reading with you'll say, oh, yes, your dad came back and he's with <laughs> he's in that body. It hasn't happened in my readings, but probably because of my own filters, I don't know how I would prove that. Okay. I'd have to get some really good evidence. And I'm sure they, if it's important, they'll get that through somehow. They'll give me the evidence. Right. But when you, when you choose to come back, even though your family, like if my dad came back and he's living somewhere right now, he's still, because I had a reading one lady, a lady on, on the podcast said, I see your dad. He's always behind you, helping you with your business. So I always write a letter to him before I start my podcast. Thank you, dad, for being here with me. Thank you for supporting me. He could still have reincarnated somewhere. Absolutely. Think of the soul, the greater soul, like a deck of cards and you play one hand. That's your dad. And that soul can then work on other issues. That's another hand that it's going to play, but it's all just a subset of source. Right. But you can never say, no, you, you could never decipher that yet or you haven't had that moment where you said yes I there's not enough evidence I haven't had that experience there's a book called soul survivor about a young boy who knew he had been a navy pilot and was talking to who a woman who had been his sister when he was here and said I recognize you if you go down the hall you'll find this and this and this in my bedroom and as I read that story that's absolute evidence that that is that pilot in this young boy's experience body Yet, if I did a reading for that woman, his sister, I have no doubt I would connect with that pilot myself. Because uh, it's consciousness yes. arising as you and me and that pilot and everybody. Does that make our story any less real? Are you real? Yes. And you're an expression of the same source that I'm an expression of. Right. It's all consciousness. Mm, isn't that an amazing way to live? Wonderful. Oh, yeah. oh yeah. Suzanne, you're just amazing. <laughs> I just love you so much. I can't even explain it. <laughs> well, I just love everybody these days. And it's what a beautiful way to live. And my greatest desire is that others who want that get that. It's all yes. available to us. And, and you can totally transform your life. And so I, I just uh, am always looking for ways to help other people find that. Yeah. And you do. And even when I went on your website and all the different, even just a program that I could do for myself and learn this and how, you know, there's just so many ways to open your awareness to that level. That's right. right? And if you're called to it, it'll speak to you. When it, where are you going next as we end this beautiful conversation? Well, I'm in the actual building where I'll be speaking live to 100 people tonight. What fun to be back in person. I'm yeah. going to be doing my personal mediumship course where people can connect with their own loved ones in Sedona. It's sold out, but right now we're trying to fix another two-day one in uh, 
August or September because it's we have such a long waiting list. I'm teaching my regular wow. basic mediumship course in Park City, Utah. We still have openings for that and a four-day retreat in October. So we're just going around the country on tour. The message is wow. a hope tour. And you just have your RV, right? That's what you and Ty do with That's your two correct. dogs. It's our it's our big bus and off we go with our dogs. Oh, yeah. So fun. I love it. Oh, Suzanne. So tell us we can find you on your website. Yep, SuzanneGeesman.com or loveatthecenter.com and sign up for the daily messages from Sanaya. I just did that. Uh, good. Yeah. And uh, sign up for my YouTube channel because I have so many clips I'm making from my recent retreat that uh, all kinds of new material coming. And d- d- boy, over 100 videos on there already. Yeah. Oh, believe me. I think I've seen them all. (laughs) I'm not kidding. I heard a couple today and I go, oh, I've already heard that one. I've already heard that story. (laughs) Thank you, Suzanne, for being here. So grateful. You're you're one of the messengers and more and more people are coming to know that we're here to shine. Yes. Oh, and you shine so bright. And I'm so grateful that I found you. Oh, thank you. Thank you for being in my life. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Uncover Your Magic podcast today. If you are inspired by what you heard today, please share it with a friend. And if you haven't already, please subscribe, rate, and review this show on your favorite podcast player. If you would like to connect with me with any questions, comments, or feedback, please contact me at the Uncover Your Magic website. Thank you so much for listening and don't forget, always look for the magic.